up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Kind of Different, a podcast where we talk about innovation in dental care, connection with our amazing guests, and we talk about how we can make dental care, care more human. Welcome to episode five. I'm your host, Matt Allen. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Different Kind. Super excited to have with us today, uh, Zachary Bryan, Zach Bryan, who is just uh, really a thoughtful guy, just really someone who is innovating in lots of spaces in dentistry, um, has a lot of influence in policy, still seeing patients, doing lots of cool work, um, really excited to be able to chat with him. So Zach, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, as we get started, I would love for you to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about where you're working, uh, what your role is, et cetera, right now. Sure, Matt. So we're um, a nonprofit based in North Carolina. It's called the North Carolina Oral Health Collaborative. Our parent organization is called the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation. Um, we do a lot of work um, with uh, leadership development of our safety net providers across the state, and we do work more to create systems change uh, through policy reform and payment reform. Awesome. I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. No, go for it. I was just going to say I play two different roles, uh, you know, in addition to the clinical work uh, in space, but I direct the Oral Health Collaborative, which is a program of the foundation, and then I serve as their vice president for impact strategy and programs. Perfect. Um, that is an awesome, I mean, I think a lot of people across the country uh, have benefited from the work that you all have been doing in North Carolina, especially throughout COVID. Uh, but certainly before that as well, whether they have known it or not, uh, you know, North Carolina has certainly been a leader. Um, you know, I think it, it really times well with when you, when you arrived there. So certainly grateful for all the work that you've been doing and, uh, excited to chat with you more. Um, so obviously, you know, during, during our time together today, we'll talk about innovation. We'll hear a little bit more about you, um, help our listeners understand a little bit more what makes you tick. And then we'll talk about making dental care more human, but in the true spirit of, you know, in, including your own decision-making in the process, uh, do you have a, a place where you would like to start uh, in terms of one of those three categories today? Yeah, I mean, let's dive in, I think, and focus on the connection piece. Okay, perfect. I love that. I think that's always a great spot to start. Um, so perfect. Um, one of the questions that I have for you here is just, in, I, I'm, you know, a different kind, right? We believe that values shape all of our decisions in healthcare and can and should uh, do that more, you know, in our processes moving forward. So from your perspective, right, um, what are the values that shape your daily life? Like, what are the things that you wake up saying, hey, this is how I'm going to live my life. And these are the things that I want people to see about me every day. Yeah, that's a, a great question, Matt. I mean, I think for me, like, you know, really rooting myself in empathy, um, you know, making sure that the experiences I've been privileged to experience in my life, um, even through my patients and different communities I've worked with, um, that I carry those on. I think it's part of my duty, um, you know, as in my role, but also as a human being trying to connect with other humans, um, trying to not just sympathize, but really tap into that empathy compass, you know, that I think all of us have, um, but sometimes may not know how to further explore or might be afraid to lean into that vulnerability. But I think it's really important when you're in positions like I am and you are, you know, as a clinician and you're touching so many lives, you know, so many lives that are very vulnerable um, and are relying on you to, you know, 
connect on a human level and not just as a provider patient relationship. So, um, you know, a lot of that for me was shaped um, by my engagement with Indian Health Service when I was in Michigan, um, really was able to understand a totally different culture than mine um, and empathize truly with the struggles and the uh, barriers that they were facing that were unique, you know, that I would not have experienced myself as a, as a white man. Totally. Totally. I loved, you know, I was, I was listening to a podcast from the Cleveland Clinic recently talking about kind of studies and empathy and a lot of the work that they've done as well. Um, and, you know, there was the idea too of the, we have to move beyond empathy as just putting ourselves in someone else's shoes and, and really trying to understand that. But like, how do we act on that information, right? If we don't, uh, if we aren't able to communicate that empathy, uh, if we aren't able to effectively demonstrate that empathy, uh, if we just kind of, you know, have the same demeanor or whatever, like, wow, yeah, I feel that deeply, but I'm not actively showing that or not doing anything about it. Uh, right. I think that that's like really such an interesting step in, you know, taking what you just said, right, and and helping those people that we're working with or whoever we're talking to patients or just friends in life or whatever, right, uh, you know, understand that we have that empathy. Yeah. And Matt, I think it's really topical right now, particularly as, you know, so many of our communities are experiencing empathy fatigue. Mm. You know, they're really kind of tapped out and not being able to, you know, refill their own cup. And so sometimes that creates barriers to be able to, you know, authentically empathize with others to the extent you're mentioning, not just putting yourself in their shoes, but really trying to emote that um, and create those connections through empathy. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, I, I, Right, right there with you. I love, I love that value uh, shaping your daily life, and and certainly you are a very empathetic person. I've always felt that from you. And uh, if any of our listeners know you or get the chance to interact with you, I'm, I'm certain they will feel that as well. Um, thinking about kind of moving, you know, obviously we're gonna talk about innovation and and kind of, hey, where's the dental field going, and and what do you see, and and how are you looking at that. Um, I think we all look to people who are inspiring us or whatever, you know, who might be inspiring to you right now it could be oral health related doesn't have to be but who are you looking to and saying, wow, I'm finding a lot of inspiration from this person right now. My gosh, definitely, um, without a doubt, I would say Mary Otto. Um, so folks may know her as the journalist and the author of the book Teeth, um, a shameless plug. If you have not <laughs> read the book Teeth, please do so. Um, but, you know, one of the things that really has struck me about Mary's work is how much it has impacted my career, um, not just my current role, but often, Matt, as you know, so many times we're not authentically providing a platform for the, the consumer of care's voice or the patient's voice, the person's voice, um, not just as a consumer of care, really, but as a, as a human being. And for me, I think that's what Mary um, does. You know, she provides um, that platform um, to not extract information from others, but to give the platform in an authentic way and help them feel comfortable, you know, sharing their own story. And those are the stories that need to be told. Um, they're not always comfortable stories. And I always say, if you don't squirm a little bit, <laughs> hearing about what some of the true struggles are that folks face in this country and around the world, then we're not doing our part as humanity um, <clears throat> to take risks. And so, you know, she's unafraid to take risks. She's unafraid to tackle big systemic challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I recently had an opportunity to host her in North Carolina. She was um, so gracious to come down and, you know, spend some time with us. She was actually here to do a book signing. But uh, did I mention I love her book? Uh, <laughs> but Check it out. Know, I know, right? But one of the things, when you, you have an idol, right? You never know how things are going to pan out when you actually meet them in person. I've seen her in webinars, I've read 
her um, journalistic, you know, um, pieces in different outlets across the country. But when I met her, she is truly who I thought she would be or hoped she would be. Yeah. Um, and that always doesn't pan out, right? Yep. But, you know, she did not present herself as Mary, the successful author, right? She was married to a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she was very vulnerable with us. And I encourage everyone, you know, to um, not be afraid to be vulnerable and take risks. And no matter where you're at in your career, because um, I think, you know, it pays off in the end. And she's done some amazing work. So she inspires me every day. I love it. I love it. There's there's so much there. Um, yeah, would also highly recommend her book. Really, really excellent. So yes, uh, I, I want to go back and listen to that again already, what you just said, because I feel like there's so many lessons, uh, even just in that in that little uh, clip from you right there. So that's awesome. Um, well, kind of, you know, not, in, in terms of not being afraid and, and you know, moving forward in innovation, right? Maybe we can t- touch on that category next. Um, you've obviously been innovating a lot, doing a lot of really impressive and important work in North Carolina over the last number of years. What are you most excited to be working on right now? Like what's something that you're real pumped on to say, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be working on this project and here's you know what I hope the impact will be? Matt, I would first say you're creating a high bar. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. Um, I wanna first acknowledge, you know, it's what I'm gonna talk about really was a collaborative effort and you know, we're called the Oral Health Collaborative for a reason. Um, it's not just a name only, but I would not be accomplishing this work without our coalition and all the, the team members, you know, and the diverse perspectives and voices. So I want to first, you know, just give a shout out to all of them. Um, but one of the things that we're working on um, that I'm very excited about is, um, as you know, some states have transitioned their Medicaid programs to managed care models. Um, and often oral health is carved out. And that's the case in North Carolina. So we were able as a state to move our primary care and behavioral health care services into a, a Medicaid managed care model, but oral health has remained carved out. For various reasons um, and kind of reading the tea leaves, uh, so to speak, we do anticipate um, you know, that value-based care is the future of oral health, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And how do we effectively build systems, um, which is part of our work with the collaborative, to ensure value? And value means different things to different people. So that's step one, right? Creating a a common definition. Um, But we partner with the Institute of Medicine in our state to launch a North Carolina Medicaid Transformation Initiative, which is a roughly two-year, three-phase process to actually learn from other states. So do some uh, cross-state modeling, um, dive deeply into the research, hear from consumers, hear from providers um, in other states and in North Carolina, and then make some recommendations. It's a task force essentially um, that will be made up of a very broad um, swath of individuals that represent different key constituency groups to talk about if, if right, our health needs to be carved into managed care at some point in our state. What should those MCO contracts look like? How do we ensure quality? How do we ensure whole person health? How do we further integrate oral health into the broader healthcare system? Those are questions that we're going to dive in strategically as a group to address. And what I find the beauty of this is how diverse uh, it's been built in terms of uh, perspective, lived experience. And uh, the final product will be a recommendation document provided to our General Assembly and to our Department of Health and Human Services to say, hey, if oral health is carved into managed care at some point in the future, here are the things that your 
key stakeholders across the state felt were very necessary for you to pay attention to, to ensure go into those contracts, to make sure that we're most effectively meeting the needs of our community. So I'm super pumped about it. Yeah, holy cow. That's, I mean, so important for the future of, uh, you know, what, what oral health payment can look like, right? And I think um, whatever the answers to those questions are, uh, we need to be asking those questions. And it's so, so important that you're doing it. And I love that talking about the consumer voice in that process as well, right? That's, that's another question that I kind of want to get your perspective on, because I do think you are, you're able to engage such a diverse coalition of people um, through your work in North Carolina. And so, you know, when you look at patients and people, right, just in general, patients are just people who are in a healthcare setting generally, right? Um, you know, what do you, what do you see as patients role in innovation? Um, maybe from like a best practices perspective, two or three best practices that you could say, Hey, look, like I, I tend to see this working really well. Um, and, and then maybe from an aspirational perspective too, of, Hey, if I could have everything I wanted here, here's what I think that that would look like ideally. Gosh, well, I first have to say, in my opinion, that the patient is part of the care team. So we often think of the care team as the dentist, the dental hygienist, maybe the assistant um, and others, but the patient is why we're there, right? The patient is part of the care team. And so one of the things I often see, unfortunately, is that there's this power dynamic and patients, their voice really isn't heard um, authentically and we're missing opportunities. So best practice to me, you know, is making sure that you are listening to patients. At the end of the day, it is their health. Um, you're there to help and co, you know, uh, inform them, right? Or co-draft some uh, treatment plans with them. But at the end of the day, they are the person that will decide the treatment that they want, they, they value, they feel they need. And you have to respect that. Um, and so um, particularly as we shift to value-based care, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the patient experience will be so critically important. Um, and we've already seen it play out, you know, how the patient um, perspective has already helped innovate. So think about um, just recently with care coordination case management codes. So when you listen to patients and you understand the barriers that they truly have, they will help guide you of how to create systems change to really impact the, and support the needs that they have. So we can't just assume we know what issues are in the system. Um, we have to listen to our patients to understand that. And they directly, you know, I think push forward this idea of care coordination, case management, not a novel idea, right? So I wanna say that and acknowledge, you know, medicine's been doing this for quite some time. Um, dentistry <clears throat> is often behind the curve, um, but in thinking about how Another example is how patients want to access their healthcare. So think about teledentistry and the innovation that patients have helped drive in that space of telehealth. So, you know, at the center of innovation is the patient. Why are we innovating? It's for the patient. It's not for ourselves. It's for the patient, the people we're serving. Yep. So until we authentically lean in and listen and actually let them guide us, um, we're not going to, we're going to miss the boat. Totally. And I feel like you do such a great job of that in North Carolina. And, you know, I talk a lot about how, 
you know, as a, as a clinician, right, we don't want to provide care on or to patients, certainly. Uh, but, you know, even providing care for patients, right, that misses the kind of co-design mark. It misses the co-production mark. We want to do it with patients, right? And I think you do that uh, from a systems level with patients, right, of, of really listening to those diverse stakeholder perspectives and saying, hey, look, this is how we can move forward together, not how I'm going to move forward for you, even if I'm listening to your perspective, right? And I, I truly respect that. Um, all right. One of the things that I love hearing your opinion on, because I think you have a really interesting perspective on is dental education. Um, so as we talk about making dental care more human, uh, to kind of have a couple questions in that category for you, um, you're involved with Adia, right? Um, you can tell us about that involvement and exactly how that looks. But, um, when you think about changing dental education to make it more human, uh, what ideas do you have? What can we do? What's some, Maybe not even low hanging fruit, but just some like, hey, here, here are ways that we can move forward. I think a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, we could do this. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of roping it in, but not really. Right. Um, what are some things that we can do to move to move forward in that space? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it is teaching, um, you know, young professionals how to really promote person centered care. So I want to hope that everyone strikes patient centered care from their vocabulary because patients are. Um, you know, who come through the door, but people are who sit in the chair and actually we deliver care to and, and uh, help. So person-centered care. And I think one way to do that is exposing students to service learning opportunities, mm -hmm. but not in the sense of like, I'm going to let you do one rotation out in community and show you community dentistry, right? Versus regular dentistry. We don't want to perpetuate those silos and misunderstandings. But it's a way for us to really connect the patient and the provider. Mm -hmm. um, so those young providers understand that it's not just clinical challenges, you know, that their patients are facing. It's social and economic challenges. Connecting with them again on a human level, not just as a provider-patient relationship, I think is really important. And there are ways to do that by giving them the platform um, to engage uh, more authentically with their patients, not just in the dental chair. Um, so one of the things that I've seen um, others do is really give the students an opportunity to meet patients in the community where they live, work, and play mm -hmm. um, and get to know them. And there have been a couple studies on this that have been really interesting um, to show how much trust is built outside of the four walls of a dental office. So it teaches students how and what is the imperative for them to be civil, civilly connected outside of just providing clinical services, right? So dentists are people too. So are you out in the community? Are you meeting with the community itself? Are you a member of the community, um, you know, at different events? So it's important. And I think that that's one way that I've seen, you know, some movement. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is, you know, um, providing students an opportunity to fail. So often we think of students' competency is just, can they perform a procedure? Mm -hmm. Are we actually evaluating them on how they interact with patients and what the patient experiences after their engagement with them? No, we're not doing that as a core competency, but yep. we should be doing that right. because we're not robots, right? We're not here to just provide a clinical service, wham, bam, you know, you're done, goodbye, see you in six months. No, that's not what we're doing. Like we need to make sure we're connecting the dots for whole person health. Um, and that includes really understanding your patient's barriers, not just orally, but economically, you know, socially, et cetera. Yeah. 
Man, well, and the, you know, it's such an interesting thing, right? To to measure that longitudinally, right? It's like one thing to say, hey, we're going to take this class on, you know, cutting this kind of prep, or we're going to take this class on making dentures or whatever. And then can you produce that at the end? But, you know, I, I think an interesting question is, can you become a more empathetic person throughout the course of your training in school? And, you know, how, what are the skills that you need to actually develop to do that? I think that's a fascinating question. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, but certainly a question that I'm asking uh, in this space as well. So I love what you have to say there. Um, lastly, give us something that you think when it comes to patient experience, we've talked a lot about patient experience in general, what's something that you think is overlooked right now, but, but really important, something that we should be paying more attention to. Um, and, you know, that could be from a policy lens. That could be from a clinical lens. That could be from whatever, but what's something that you think is, is overlooked, but really important. It's simple math, you know, definitely simple. Where is the table, the proverbial table, we talk about patients having a seat at when policy decisions are made. Do they actually have a seat? Because I'm not sure when I'm in meetings with key legislators or other influencers, there's anyone that is the consumer of care at that table. So why aren't they at that table? Let's start there. You know, let's ask that question. And I think that their experiences directly as we went back to and asked the question earlier about innovation, they have amazing ideas of how to address their unique challenges, their community's unique challenges. But we have to make sure that we give them the space to be able to voice those issues and offer solutions. Mm -hmm. So communities know their, their challenges best and let them drive the solutions. So um, it's overlooked in that they're not at the table. They're not there. They're not consulted. Um, and again, we create a system in which we think will address their needs, not really understanding truly what their needs are. Totally. Uh, and man, I, you know, I feel like legislators want to hear those patient stories. Um, but I also feel like legislators need to want to hear patient ideas for solutions. And I, th I think that that's what you just said right there, right? Of like, they need to be able to offer solutions as well. Um, yeah. Because generally people know, you know, hey, when you give them the option of, hey, what might change this for you? What might solve this for you? They have really uh, interesting and, and fascinating ideas that tend to work, right? So um, it's not just listen to your stories. It's move beyond that and allow them to offer solutions. Yeah, perfect. Um, all right. Well, in the interest of time, uh, we always try to keep these relatively short so you can listen to on one commute or whatever it might be. Uh, Zach, uh, if people want to connect more with your work, with you, uh, with what you all are doing in North Carolina, uh, give us where we might find that on the interwebs. Tell us where to go and, and how to connect. Yeah, Matt, thanks. Um, so you guys can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm definitely very active there. In terms of our organization, um, our program, you can find us at oralhealthnc.org. Um, all of our content is there. Follow us um, on all the social media platforms, Oral Health NC, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we try to release um, what we feel are, is unique content um, that we don't see in the oral health space being released. Um, and a lot of it does center around this community voice uh, perspective that you've heard me kind of intertwine most of my responses with today. But Matt, I want to thank you again, um, just for what Different Kind is doing. I think it's such an amazing company. Um, and also for launching this podcast. I think this is super cool. Um, you know, I've been able to listen to a couple of the episodes so far. I cannot wait to listen to the rest of them. Um, but thanks for having me on. No, Zach, thank you so much for, for being a part of it. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for your work. Keep, keep on fighting that good fight in North Carolina. Thanks for taking the time to join us today and uh, look forward to continuing watching you innovate uh, down there in North Carolina. Thanks, Matt.